and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Since 2012, I've been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. So please post your questions for our guests. Post comments. Tell us where you're from. You could even type in my tagline, be strong, be well, and be green. Just test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Sandra confesses to once being a food addict. Three years ago, she lost an amazing 107 pounds and fits into size 7 skinny jeans. Be Green with Amy welcomes Sandra Goodson McClanahan. Welcome, Sandra. Hey, how are you today? It's nice to be here. Nice to see you. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. I'm really excited that you were able to carve out some time for us today. For those people out there that aren't familiar with Sandra, she is a school teacher. And she's actually sitting in her classroom today. So we're going to get educated or educated. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know if you so, can hear the thunder in the background. We've got a little bad weather here today. Oh, as far as being uh, plant-based, that's the lifestyle that you adopted. And you're going to be telling us a little bit about your story. But people know that they should know that school teachers are very busy people. A lot of people would say, oh, it's such a great job because you get the summer off. As far as I know, school teachers are always working, even when they're not in the classroom grading papers and over the summer they're prepping. And you were just telling me before the broadcast that you're getting the classroom ready by starting to putting up decorations and getting ready for the students to participate in that as well, right? That is correct. I actually came out last week. Officially, we started today. Teachers began today, and we have six days of pre-planning, but um, I wanted to get everything down, start fresh, and so I came out last week for three days and began putting up uh, fresh bulletin boards and getting ready and getting excited, um, you know, for this year, cleaning out cabinets and stuff like that. Right. So in a few weeks, they're going to be all colorful decorations and things that you put up and the students put up, and it's going to look like a a busy classroom, right? I sure hope so. <laughs> hope it's motivating and inspiring. Well, I know that what you're going to talk about today is definitely going to be motivating and inspiring. You have an incredible story about your journey in this plant-based lifestyle. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. And if you can tell us, tell us from the beginning before the lifestyle and walk us through what you did as far as adopting this lifestyle and where you've come. Okay, I sure will. Thank you very much, Amy. Okay, so just to start out, um, you know, as a child, um, I was, you know, had a very, very happy childhood here in Central Florida. And, um, you know, I was a little chubby growing up, uh, not overly overweight at that time. Um, there was a lot of good Southern cooking in my family, uh, both my grandmothers, my great-grandmother, my mom was a pretty good cook too, and different uh, other uh, relatives, great cooks. And so, of course, I grew up absolutely loving and valuing uh, southern, good Southern cooking. And um, but as I um, continued to get a little bit older, I got heavier and heavier. And uh, I was one. I'm five two, and I was one fifty on the day that I graduated from high school. And I know that because I recently found my uh, diary from that period, and I did mention that day. And I noticed there was a lot of mention in there as I sat down and kind of leafed through uh, from my middle school and high school um, diaries, a lot of mention of my weight. 
and I was very self-conscious of it, even at that point. Um, I wasn't teased very much um, in middle school, high school about my weight, not very much. Um, but uh, after I graduated from high school and went on to college, um, I, for the most part, continued to put on weight. And um, then whenever I got married, I believe I was up to 180 when I was uh, married in my late 20s. Um, I believe I was a size 18 at the time. And uh, then after I got married, um, I continued to put on weight. After uh, both of my sons were born, I continued to put on even more weight. And I reached a highest known weight of 252 pounds. And that is a uh, body mass index of 46.1, which is a a pretty high um, BMI. And um, there were two or three times throughout my life in my, um, you know, in like in high school, uh, in my 20s, et cetera, that uh, I lost a substantial amount of weight, different ways, sometimes not healthy, sometimes healthy. But um, all three times that I remember doing that, I ended up ending whatever plan that I was on, whatever diet that I was on, and uh, putting it all back on, and then continuing on up, putting on more, so that, you know, it ended up that a diet meant actually gaining weight, because you lose, and then you just put it all back on. Um, So as, you know, Going through the period of morbid obesity, uh, what were some of the things that, you know, that I remember experiencing um, as a morbidly obese adult, as a morbidly obese woman? um, There were issues like, well, my neck was so big that I remember lying in bed at night and I I would lie on my back and I was like a turtle. I would just like try to stretch my neck out like that because the folds were touching each other. My skin was touching and it just was so uncomfortable trying to sleep. I felt like I had a permanent turtleneck on and I would just lie there and just try to like, oh, come on, you know, and just lie there like that to keep it from touching each other so I could be a little bit more comfortable. And, um, you know, I'd go into a church, like an, an old church with old original um, church benches, or I'd go into an antique, you know, a a movie theater with these vintage uh, movie theater seats. And I would always be so scared that I was going to be the one to break a seat or a folding chair somewhere, you know, at a reception, a wedding reception, I'd be the one to break the chairs. And I lived in constant fear, you know, that, that, that I would be the one who would fall to the floor after breaking a chair. Every time I go into a restaurant and they would say, would you like a booth or a table? I would say a table, please. Not because I love tables, but because I knew that I could pull a chair up and back at a table. And I never knew if I was going to fit, if my stomach was going to fit inside a booth. And sometimes they would seat us in a booth and I didn't fit. And so I would have to say, can, does this table move any? And if it wouldn't, can we please be seated at a table? 
you know, that was just some of the things I lived with. And of course, getting on an airplane and just the look on people's faces when you're walking down the aisle and they're looking at you like, please, God, please, God, please don't let her be the one to take the seat next to me, you know, and knowing. And then you sit down and you, you go over the left and the right of the seat and you're just so uncomfortable and you try to make yourself small. And I couldn't cross my arms and I couldn't cross my legs either like a lady, like I used to call it. I had to sit like a man and you know, cross my legs. Well, you can't do that on an airplane seat. So I would cross at the ankles and I would just cross my hands like this because I, I didn't feel comfortable taking up the armrests from the people. And so I would just sit like this the whole flight and just try to be as small as I could and be, and I would take the extender. I bought an extender on Amazon and I would have it in my carry-on just in case uh, I couldn't buckle. If there was too much belly left over at the end of their airplane seatbelt, I had mine just in case I ever needed it. And, um, you know, you eat all that salty food in the airport and they feed you all these salty nuts and things, you know, and bags of chips. And, and so then your feet start swelling, your ankles start swelling, your hands start swelling. And that feeling of misery on the plane of just that whole, you know, that feeling of all the salt in the food, you know, and then getting on um, roller coasters. Well, I got to the point where I was too scared to even get on one because I was afraid I'd be the one to break it, you know, and or they wouldn't let me on it because they couldn't get the bar down over me, which happened to me several times, too. Um, so that whole, you know, just those are just some of the physical um, setbacks, you know, that I would feel I'd walk into a room and my first thought would be right now, everybody in this room is looking at me and they're thinking, well, there's the largest person in this room. I would be the largest person. And that was always in my head. My weight was always in my head. You know, it was, it was my constant companion, you know, and, um, and men would just kind of look right past you. You know, they wouldn't want to acknowledge, so they wouldn't want to have to talk to you. So they would just kind of being you were invisible i've always felt you know like invisible um you know to men and then some of the other physical things the charlie horses because i wasn't eating healthy so i'd get those you know shin um those charlie horses and my heart would sometimes just go going crazy i'm like what the heck is going on? i'm just sitting here and my heart was going crazy and the constant thirst and um you know and what brought it on it was me and emotional eating you know that that was that is one of my biggest hurdles is that I want to eat for every every inappropriate reason under the sun. You know, if I'm stressed, let's eat. That'll solve the, whatever source the stress is. If I could just eat right now a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or maybe two, that'll solve my problem. So run to the kitchen to go eat. Am I um, anxious about something? Let's eat. Am I sad? Let's eat. Am I happy? Let's eat. Am I rewarding myself for something wonderful that happened? Let's eat. You know, am I bored? Let's eat. Am I tired? Let's eat. Every reason but nutrition, it was part of my daily life, you know, which is what caused the weight. Um, also, just convenience. I mean, you can drive out. Of, I can drive out of here. And I can hit three or four different fast food places if I want to on the way home and not have to go home and prepare anything. Uh, I could, um, you know, stop in at any, there's some sit down restaurants here. I have a small town, but I can, you know, we got several sit down restaurants. So standard American diet food is convenient. Fast food places are convenient. Convenience stores are convenient. And that is something that we trade our health 
for convenience. We trade our health for emotional eating. And so these are the, some of the reasons, you know, that I ended up becoming morbidly obese. Um, and my, in my family, we have a, a lot of health issues. Both of my parents, both my mom and my dad, who divorced many years ago in the early 90s, but both of them passed away of the exact same thing, colon cancer. My dad passed away in 2007. He'd been married to um, his um, second wife for several years, and so it wasn't anything that he and my mom were doing. My mom just passed away in January of 2020, also of, excuse me, of colon cancer. So uh, my aunt is a survivor of ovarian cancer. Both my grandmothers passed away from different cancers. And we've had other issues in the family, high blood pressure, diabetes is in my family. Um, so, you know, we have had our share of health issues. Um, I was borderline high blood pressure. Um, I also was borderline anemic where I was not allowed to give blood more than half the time I would try to go get blood. I couldn't, even though I was a heavy meat eater, but I was, didn't have enough iron to give blood more than half the times that I tried to give blood. Um, and my cholesterol, what, that's one thing that is documented. It was very, very high, bad cholesterol. Um, so, you know, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't already a diabetic myself. But then one day I was here in this room teaching right there and I took a big old swig of water. And when I set my glass down and I started to speak to the class, it was like my mouth was completely dry within seconds of drinking the wine. I thought, oh, this is it. I mean, I was tired all the time. I knew that it had happened to me. My brother is a type one diabetic. My dad was a type two, I believe. And I knew that it had happened to me. I couldn't believe it took that long, but it scared me to death. This was in 2015 and all day long, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I've got to make an appointment. I've got to get this uh, checked. I've got to get on a diabetic diet. I'm going to have to start all this. I may lose my hands. I may lose my feet. Uh, my ex-husband was a diabetic. He had been experiencing, he passed away, by the way, uh, way before he should have. He passed away when he was only like 54. Um, and, you know, uh, he never cared about taking care of his health. Um, and so, um, that afternoon I went home and I opened up the laptop at the dining room table and I'm like diabetic diet and I'm Googling it. You know, I thought I'm going to make an appointment tomorrow with a doctor to get all this figured out. But in the meantime, I need to start seeing now what I need to do and what foods I'm supposed to be eating. I want to get a head start on this. And so after a little bit of research, I found Dr. Joel Furman. Uh, with the end of diabetes. That was the first one I found, but I did a little bit more research and then I, and I didn't, I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard of him before. I didn't know anything about plant-based anything. I, this is all completely new to me. And so, uh, by the way, the, I remember the first time that I lost a bunch of weight, it was an Atkins diet. It was the Atkins diet. Uh, I remember microwaving hot dogs and you know, eating a lot of eggs and cheese and all that. I remember doing that. I don't remember if it was the 70s or the 80s, but I remember doing that. The third time, I can't remember the second time what I did, but the third time was the Mediterranean diet with the fake uh, crab meat and lots of olive oil and sauteing and oil and all that. You know, I remember doing that, but you know, then I put all the weight back on after that one as well. So 
when I looked up, uh, when I saw Dr. Furman, I found uh, Eat to Live was probably the best book to start with. So like I said, I didn't know anything, anybody, anything. I just thought, okay, let's try this one. So I decided, I realized at the time that everything I'd done in the past, it didn't work. So let's not repeat it. Let's not repeat anything I already did because it doesn't work. So I thought, okay, what I did in the past was focus on weight loss. That's all I cared about, weight loss, okay? Nothing else, not my health, just weight loss. So I thought this time, rather than focusing on weight loss, because obviously that doesn't work, let us focus on working on, instead of from the outside, let's work from the inside out. Let us make the changes permanent from our, starting with the mind here, the heart. Let's work on that and then the rest will fall into place. The, the weight will come off on its own as a byproduct of learning how to eat healthy permanently. This had to be a permanent thing. And I didn't know, I hadn't read anything yet, but that was a gut feeling I had at the time that I had to make permanent changes and I couldn't look at this temporary again because obviously that didn't work. So I thought, okay, Dr. Furman, eat to live. That's what I'm going to do. He, look at all this, what he's saying here in the, pref, in the forward of the book and all that. I'm going to do this. So I ordered it. I committed to it. And then I thought, well, okay, let me, while I'm waiting, you know, before I start reading the book, let me see what other people um, have said about him. So um, I went on Amazon and I was looking at the reviews, you know, and like the first one said, let me just tell you right now that if you follow Dr. Furman, you're going to be eating a crap ton of vegetables. And I literally, when I read that, I went, oh, no. <laughs> I literally threw my head down on my, my dining room table. What did I get myself into? I know. I could go for months without eating a vegetable. In fact, I've done it many, many times. And a vegetable to me was potatoes, mashed potatoes and French fries. That's was a vegetable. And that's, you know, what I could eat all the time. So green vegetables, <laughs> no, no. So that was my, my first reaction, but I thought, no, I, and I remember thinking this, I thought, no, 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 Sandra, you're just do what the man says and let's just do this, okay? So I started reading. I went straight to the page. I think it's page 214, uh, the six-week plan. And uh, and I read it. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that in the beginning, I had nobody. I didn't have a community. You know, you're, I didn't have a tribe yet. Uh, I didn't know that there were groups on Facebook uh, for being a nutritarian, need to live. I didn't know any of that. I knew there was a website but I hadn't joined it. And so I didn't really utilize Dr. Furman's website yet. Okay. I was all alone and I didn't have anybody Now my family. They were supportive, but nobody wanted to join me. So I didn't have anybody joining me on this. I felt like I was just by myself. And I remember thinking, I felt like I was the only one on the whole planet that was following, you know, that was doing Eat to Live. Um, you know, I wasn't, obviously, but... Uh, it's just so amazing because I'm sure a lot of people watching and listening are thinking 
a lot of the things that you're saying are probably ringing true. First of all, no, not, not a vegetable. I just love how you said that because it was like you had these two doors. It was either track to diabetes and other health issues that are coming my way or eating green vegetables. And you had to choose. And both of those choices, neither one of them seemed very good. So you just had to pick the lesser of the two awful things. And, yeah, and yeah. I think for a lot of people, I don't know if they could decide which is the lesser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will. And I, this happened, and I, he used a bad word, and I, I won't use the bad word. I'll use a different word in there. But um, at the uh, National Health Association uh, conference, um, w- which we do every uh, the final Saturday in June up in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, so this year we were at the uh, this this hotel that we had it at, and um, we just had breakfast. Okay. And so there were four or five of us women that were, we were in our elevator going back up, you know, to brush our teeth or whatever before the first um, uh, lecture of the day. And this uh, man got on the elevator with us and he goes, so you people are the reason that I'm not getting any breakfast at this hotel, aren't you? Because we had the whole, you know, buffet area and all was uh, dedicated just to our big group of like 500 people. And, And we said, you know, well, you could, I believe y'all are welcome to go, I don't eat any of that, you know, crap. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, and he was, a uh, he was morbidly obese and, you know, just kind of, uh, very, uh, garrulous about it. And, uh, so, you know, it, that's the attitude he had. He would rather be happy, uh, eating their food, eating standard American diet food, you know, uh, than to, switch over to a whole food plant-based or as Dr. Furman says, nutrient dense, plant rich way of eating and get your health back and really be happy. But you can't say, you can't explain that. You know, if people don't want to hear this, um, they don't want to hear it. And, you know, they have to be receptive before you can share your message. That's just one point I want to make today is sometimes we have to be a silent but positive representative and, and show, you know, we can't be acting all negative to people about, no, I have to eat my salad. You know, uh, uh, uh-uh. that's, um, if we do that, we're turning people off, uh, without even trying, we're turning people off to this, but you know, my life has changed so much for the better this summer. I wanted this to be, I wanted to be an adrenaline junkie this summer. And I did things on purpose that I would never have dared to do or would not have been allowed to do at 252 pounds. I'd been turned down. My ex-husband and I were turned down to ride horses back when the boys were young because we were both morbidly obese. We showed up in the Smoky Mountains to ride horses. And when the, uh, when they looked at us, they said, we're sorry, folks, but y'all, y'all cannot ride these horses, our horses. And so this summer I rode horses oh. and I've been riding horses. Now I took my granddaughter and we, we rode horses. This is such an incredible story. I'm so glad that all of you are tuned in to hear this. And I hope that you're sharing it with people because this needs to be shared. It is so amazing that not only did she have to choose between the diabetes and the bad health or the vegetables that she didn't want to eat. And that's a hard choice to make. And a lot of people choose not to eat the vegetables. But also she was starting to tell us a little bit about her family because apparently her family wasn't on board either. So just trying to get yourself on board. 
and then get other people to go along or at least not try to sabotage what you're doing, that's a really big deal. And Sandra has really learned quite a bit about how to achieve this lifestyle. And Michelle said, oh my gosh, I was the one who did break a chair in front of the room of, at, a weight, at a weight loss seminar. Oh, Michelle. Oh my goodness. Yep. That's the, the big fear. You're yeah, right. It's a, it's a legitimate thing. I decided that, you know, cause Dr. Furman said, uh, just, he said, look, just let me call all the shots right now. Don't question it, read the book, but just do what I tell you. Basically just do what I tell you and, uh, and don't question, you know, anything I'm telling you. So I thought now okay, you're saying Dr. Dr. Furman said it wasn't that you were talking to Dr. Furman, no, right? No, it's in okay. this book, Audible. Okay, so I uh, started out by listening. I did, had not met him yet. I've met him now several times, but at that point, this was 2015, early 2016. I, I didn't know. I didn't met, had not met him yet. No. Um, and so I would listen to the books, and I started with Eat to Live, and Dr. Furman read that entire book. He narrates that entire book. So, of course, you know, being from being a New Yorker, you know, he's got that passion and that he's talks real fast. And, you know, most of us that are fans, we, we appreciate that about Dr. Furman, you know, right. you can, you have to listen to him. Oh, I mean, I'm an original New Yorker, so I can hear New York very well, but even it's not just that he speaks fast. He has a lot of information to give you. Yes. So you yes. could listen to him over and over again and say, Oh, that's something that I heard that, right. but you know, it means something. So right. it's great. Yeah. So, um, every, um, day, um, I would wake up with the book playing on Audible sitting on my bed. And then I'd get up and I'd go to the kitchen and the book is still playing. And I'd go to the bathroom, I'd set my phone up on the shelf in the shower and I'd listen to him talking while I'm showering, while I'm putting my makeup on, driving to work, watering the garden, the yard, uh, folding clothes, everything. I would listen and then I branched out and started listening to more of his books. Then I discovered that he had been interviewed a lot on YouTube, lots of people. He's done a lot of interviews. I would listen to him there. And, uh, you know, so I just constantly and I recommend that if you're getting started is that you feed your brain constantly with uh, this information that you listen to everything whole food, plant based, um, you know, Dr. Furman, but there are others as well that you can pull in information and also um, the inspirational stories uh, are because the science is great. Let's say the science is great. OK, but it's the success stories that really keep kept me inspired and motivated because I would look at that book. OK, my physical copy and I and I would go to Emily Bowler's story and I would read her story and I would go to Anthony Masiello's story. And I'm thinking, you know what, if Emily can do I mean, look what she had to live through. Look what she dealt with. OK, look at what Anthony had to deal with. He was turned down for insur life insurance because of his weight, you know, and um, if they can do it, I can do it. These are just normal people like me. And they figured out how to do it and they've been doing it. They've maintained success. And so I was always looking at the success stories, you know, and then there's um, Jason Cohen on YouTube, uh, thebigchange.org. Uh, he has like over a hundred uh, interviews. I would just play them and I would just run through. I'd be sitting here and I'd put my phone here and I just, I didn't need to be looking at them. 
I just would turn it on and listen to them while I'm writing papers or whatever. You know, I would listen to other people's stories, uh, which really helped to keep me going. So that is another recommendation I have is to do that. So um, the weight, I, I was not perfect in the beginning. I ate, I'm going to tell you right now, I did eat things that I now would be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Um, you know, that I thought was okay. Uh, but I didn't at the time I was not really um, knowledgeable enough. So as I went through, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be having. Oh, OK. And I would take out like honey, um, you know, and eating coconut oil, which we don't really do now. And um, but in the beginning, I did a little of that. But because I would my diet was so much better, even at that level with some mistakes than it had been before, I was losing like two pounds a week. It was like guaranteed the weight was coming off two pounds a week, you know, even with my mistakes. So that um, fear was my initial motivator. But I do want to point out that fear is not enough of a sustaining motivator to hold you for the rest of your life. You can't live off of fear of sicknesses. Okay. You have to find other whys to, and they, and positive ones are very, very helpful. So what I did this summer those were some positive things I had to look forward to that uh, helped me. Like I went up in a vintage uh, open cockpit biplane and uh, I would never have signed up for that at 252 pounds. I just wouldn't have signed. Even if I was the only one, he would have allowed me to ride it, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even bothered to go to the website, you know, but um, so uh, positive things to look forward to uh, like now, um, you know, with my granddaughter, she can't keep up with me. She's nine. And, uh, and I, we were at Legoland a couple years ago. I had uh, my food. I take my food with me. I'm very pro I'm very self-protective now. And uh, when I go to a theme park or the zoo or whatever for the day, uh, I take my own food and I have it in a backpack and I know exactly now I've got it down to a science on how I pack it, how I keep it cold, all that. I got it all figured out. So we go to Legoland and we have to go up a very steep hill to get to the water park at the back. And I'm, I'm just gallivanting up that hill. And she's like, Sanka, slow down. And she didn't have any load on, you know, and I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, and that would not have been the case if I had kept on the trajectory that I was on before, that wouldn't have been the case. Okay. And so, um, the things, the positive things to look forward to are really good um, motivators as well. Okay. And so there are uh, lots of different paths you need to, and you need to change it up every now and then uh, different things like the mantras, you know, keep your mantras right there with you. And when you need one, you pull it out and use it, you know? And um, so I'll give you an example of one that I, I, there are a lot of good ones that I didn't make up. But uh, there are some that just popped into my head and I keep using them. And one is one that I didn't make up is uh, face your stuff. Don't stuff your face. Oh, okay? that that's is a good very one. powerful, especially yes. for me being an emotional eater. That one, uh, you know, helps me. And then Nolita Besson Lasse came up with she told me one or she used it actually in her uh, big change, which was just do it. Go through it. Just do it. Just go through it. And yesterday I was doing a job I did not want to do uh, at the house. And and I kept wanting my mind wanted me to just stop and go to the kitchen and take an eating break. 
Okay. I, I wanted to take an emotional break with food. And then I thought, well, then I'll have the fortitude to come back in here and finish this job that I don't want to be doing to begin with. And I thought, no, 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 Sandra, just do it. Just go through it. Just finish the dadgum job. Okay. You don't need to eat to get through this job. Okay. So her words, just do it, go through it have been very helpful to me. But the one that uh, one night I was somewhere I shouldn't have been on a school night at 10 o'clock at night, I was in a Walmart 40 miles from my house, 40 minutes from my house, tired and um, had no business being over there, but I had to take my son to work. His car had broken down and he worked over there and his shift starts at 10 p.m. So I had to be there. And while I was there, I went to get, I had run out of, almost out of flaxseed. So I had to walk down the aisle. They have the candy on the same aisle as the flaxseed. Don't know what was up with that. But no, we know. Wait a minute, Sandra. We know what's up with that. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, we're losing people. We need to put something with the flaxseed because know, these people right? aren't going down the right aisle. <laughs> and and I had um, made a promise to myself. This was another thing I did in the very beginning. Was uh, I didn't know the term accountability partner, but I thought, okay, whether they like it or not, my Facebook friends are going to be. Uh, I'm going to be accountable to my Facebook friends. So I was honest. I promised myself that I would always tell the truth about everything I was going through as a nutritarian. Uh, every time I fell off the wagon, I know Dr. Esser hates that expression. He goes, there is no wagon. You don't fall off a wagon. There is no wagon. Well, to me, it feels like a wagon when I, when I fell off the wagon. But anyway, um, that I would always post on my personal page the ups and the downs and the realities of what I was going through. So whenever I fell, I was honest. I would come on and say, well, tonight I fell off the wagon and I did this. Or, you know, hey, I want to say I did great yesterday and I ate this and I woke up feeling great. I would post the everything, you know, my food and everything. So that and that and my mom used to say, Sandra, you don't need to post what you just did. I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I promised it and I am going to do it. And I didn't realize at the time, but a lot of my Facebook friends, this was way before I knew about the Eat to Live. I didn't have a tribe or anything yet, but they were reading it. Even people that I didn't even know, but that I was friends with on Facebook that like were people that live here in the community that would send me a friend request. I'm like, well, I, I recognize you. I don't know you, but okay, click, accept friend request. Um, people wouldn't even comment, but they were following me. They were following everything that I was saying, even if they didn't, you know, react, they were still reading it. And um, I've had people tell me, um, you know, not just to my face, but even through the grapevine that they were um, encouraged by what I was doing and that it inspired them to lose uh, one woman who lives here in town. I've never even met her. I've never even met her face to face, but my niece went to go and uh, look at their house to possibly purchase their home. And she said, um, she goes, yeah, my maiden name is Goodson. She goes, Goodson, are you, are you Candace Sandra Goodson McClanahan? And oh. she goes, yeah, that's my name. She goes, I follow her on Facebook. She's the reason I lost a hundred pounds. <laughs> she follows and, you on Facebook. Like you're some plant-based Person I know, and this follow. was just because I <laughs> used Facebook as my accountability partner from the beginning, um, my personal page, and yeah. I didn't know people were actually reading it, and you know, because I was just posting it for me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that was pretty cool. Uh, I lost track of what I was talking about. That you were saying that you used Facebook for the accountability, oh, yeah, okay. and, and so, uh, so that night I was at that Walmart, 
And when I passed by, I have to admit, I, well, it, it's been several years since I've eaten any sad foods. It's been since um, uh, September of 2017. So I'm coming up on four years. So it's not a problem anymore. But that night, uh, it was a problem when I walked past um, the Reese's peanut butter cups and the zero bars and the uh, baby Ruth's. My, it was 10 o'clock. I was tired. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Nobody would know. <laughs> Nobody would know. I could get that Reese's peanut butter cup right there. I could get the four pack if I wanted to. And then at the register, I could get an icy cold Mr. Pibb. And on my 40 minute drive home, eh, you know, who would know? But when I looked at the Reese's uh, package there, the first thought that I had was, because I at that time I'd already lost about 60 pounds, okay? I was feeling good and I uh, was starting to look good. And I thought, you know what? I didn't get this from eating that. And that became a mantra of mine. And for a long time, as I was continuing to uh, uncouple myself from standard American diet food, I would look at it and I would say, I didn't get this by eating that. And so that helped me quite a bit. So mantras are extremely, they've been extremely important to me. And also visualizations. Now you may think this one's crazy, but I see myself as, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Odysseus or Ulysses, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, one morning um, I was out mowing. I have, to, I have to mow two yards. I have like two acres I have to mow. Well, what a story, you guys. I am just so excited to hear what Sandra has to say. And maybe if anybody is watching or listening, if you have a mantra that you want to type in in the comments and tell us what your mantra is to share with us so that we can get motivated from that. And I think that there's it's just so powerful that here she was there at 10 o'clock at night and there are so many voices that whisper to us that say, oh, just this once, it's okay, you've come so far, What? it can't hurt, you're tired, you deserve this. Oh my goodness, so many little things that pop up in our heads, in our voices. So you had another mantra? Yeah, so uh, this one's a visualization, which I recommend these as well, visualizations. Okay, so I'm mowing my front yard and I realized somebody, my neighbors didn't get the memo that they should not be uh, cooking bacon at 10 o'clock in the morning, okay? Bacon smell, which you know is very difficult. It's very, you know, strong and it smells really good, uh, was coming across the yard. And my first thought was, let's get off this mower and let's go down to the local greasy spoon and get some bacon and eggs and blah, 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 and blah, 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 you know? So uh, I, that right at that moment, I pictured, I, I told myself, I am Odysseus, okay? So if you know anything about the Odyssey, the Iliad, the Odyssey, um, there was a point where um, he knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to be, there was an island full of these sirens, Okay, and uh, that uh, many, many men, many sailors, um, you know, sailed up to hear them singing. Okay, and ended up jumping off, trying to sail their ships up onto the beach, uh, or they would jump in the water and try to swim to the beach to get to these beautiful uh, women. I guess they were some kind of women or mermaids or whatever singing. 
Okay. And uh, so what he did was he had, he put ear, uh, he put wax in his ears and he had his sailor, no, his men, his sailors put wax in their ears and he had them uh, tie him to the mast of his ship. Okay. And he said, sail up near the ship and then keep going. And so he got close. He could hear them, but he was tied. Okay. It was his, by his choice. And he um, could not lose himself to uh, swim up there into his death, you know, and they couldn't hear it. Okay. So he kept going. So he lived to say, I've heard them singing and I'm still alive and I did not die. Okay. So I think of myself when I have to smell either fudge or bacon or the thing that still struggle that I still struggle with is chicken. I still struggle with chicken. I, I, I can't believe that that's still a problem for me, but, but it is. But every time I smell rotisserie chicken at Walmart or at Winn-Dixie or, um, you know, uh, or, or fried, deep fried chicken or hot fudge or whatever, I say to myself, I am Odysseus. And I think to myself, I'm not, may not be physically tied to a mast right now, but I have the strength to resist. I can smell it and not give into it. And so that's a visualization of me being Odysseus on that ship and not dying, still hearing the song. So that's just one visualization, but you can have whatever you want, you know. Yeah, that's, that that's fabulous. Or they could just visualize you. <laughs> visualizing and saying, I, I am Sandra. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so in the beginning, um, well, I, this is just, I know that my, my friends are joking when they say this, but they, uh, when they're talking to each other about, you know, trying to stick to the plan, they say, WWSD. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, that's what we say. I'm like, that's, you're, you're, you're making a joke here. But anyway, um, so, uh, oh, so in the beginning. Charles says one saying I like to use is this, if you do what you've done, you'll get what you got. That's, that's a good right. one, Charles. That's yep. right. And that's why I realized I had to do something different because the other obviously didn't work, you know, yeah. and this may sound mean, but I, I think, you know, I, I hear people chatting about whatever new plan they're on. Okay. And they chit chat about, oh, and this new product, have you tried this new uh, liquid protein, this, that, and the other, you know, and, and, um, you know, all these new products that they want to try. And so um, I said, you guys are on a new diet? Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, how much are you wanting to gain on this one? No, 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 no. We want to lose. I'm like, oh, have you ever been on a diet before? And then of course they'll say, well, yeah. I'll say, well, how'd that work out for you? Yeah. Diets don't work. You know, you can't do a temporary thing. It has to be something that you can sustain for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. I've never but, said that to anybody, but it's true. It's true. Just take off the tea and that's what's going to happen. That's right. And it, and that's it won't right. be pretty. And I think a lot of people that are listening and watching can definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. So you had wonderful results, but you were kind of going up and down, right? I mean, there were times when maybe you were gaining right. some weight and that's did that right. discourage you? Yes. So what happened was I did the six week plan. Okay. Which Dr. Firma recommends start by hundred percent the six week plan. So I did that. And then after that, I thought, you know what, for my sanity, I think that I will incorporate back in one cheat meal per week. Now I thought I knew better than Dr. Furman. Okay. I know myself. And so I thought if I have that, see, then I won't feel deprived. 
you know, and uh, then I'll have that one cheat meal and then I'll get right back on the plan. And then so one meal out of every 21 will be a cheat meal. I have whatever I want. I'll get it out of my system. That was my plan. So I did that for a long time. And for a long time, I was still losing weight. But the problem was that when I hit 175, at the time that I hit 175, I uh, discovered, I started noticing that my cheat meal was turning into a cheat day. Oh, and mm-hmm. uh, and I began to um, put on weight and I started trending back up. Next mm-hmm. thing I knew, I was almost back up 10 pounds. I was almost back up to 185. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was too hard to lose that weight the first time. I'm not going to do this and then have to lose it all again. That's not going to happen. So I thought, OK, listen. He's got to be crazier. He said, if you just go 100%, this will be easier because you'll have neuroadaptation and you'll begin to forget the, you know, about the the different tastes of standard American diet food. Just give it a shot. I think he's crazy. I think he doesn't know what he's talking about, but let's give it a shot. Anyway, let's try. If I cheat at the end of a week, then I've cheated at the end of a week. And if I don't, then I'll try to go two weeks and we'll see how long I can go on not doing it. Next thing I know, I'd gone six weeks and I had not had a cheat meal. And so I thought, you know what? <laughs> he was right. It actually is easier to go 100%. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I was 100% forever after I made that initial decision because I did have some bumps in the road that I, again, fell off the wagon. Sorry, Dr. Esser, but I fell off the wagon a couple times, especially during the week after Hurricane Irma went through. We were without power for a week. It was pure misery. And I gave in a couple times that I tried. I tried. But my soups that were in the freezer, I was losing everything in the freezer that I worked so hard to cook. All of my compliant foods. I was just watching it all melt, you know, thaw. And uh, it was just, it was a hard week. You know, we were hot, uh, sweating all the time at night, day sweating. And, um, you know, I, I gave in, but that was the last time was September, 2017 was the last time that I gave in to standard American diet food. So it's been a long time now. It's been almost four years and I can sit here right now and tell you that I no longer remember the flavors, okay? Now, I can't, I can't say smells. Of course, I have no control over what I smell. But flavors, I don't even remember. I don't remember what standard chocolate tastes like, milk chocolate, or uh, my mom's famous uh, mac and cheese, which she never shared the real recipe with anybody, um, you know, but it was really good. My signature lasagna, I don't remember all that, okay? I consider that to be a secret weapon. Yeah. That is a blessing to me because- But but you've also gone through things- since then, yes, and, that and were worse than your your yes. experience with Irma, right? That's right, and uh, because we all we're all human, and we yes. all have life experiences, and not, and unfortunately, we all have to face ones that are not pleasant. 
Right. And that's, that's the time that people can definitely get derailed, but that didn't right. happen to you, right? Well, I'll tell you first, first, let me just say this, I'll finish this. And then I want to do talk about what did happen after the PBS taping, uh, Dr. Furman's PBS show. That was November of 2019, which I was on top of the world. I was at one night, uh, one night, one seventeen, And I thought, okay, I got this now for the rest of my life. I'm good to go. Okay. So, but, um, I consider what we're going through. If you want to think of it as a, uh, let's, let's call it a battle. Okay, that we're fighting here. Our journey is like a battle. Okay, so there are three parts to this battle. Part number one is our addiction to standard American diet food. That's one hurdle that we have to get over. Hurdle number two is planning and prep. Okay, our getting our scheduling right so that we have the time to prep and plan to have our food. Because you can't, we, it's very hard for us to just go out of the house with a purse and expect that we're going to find compliant food wherever we go. Now, there are things that we can find. There are little tips and tricks about finding things here and there. But uh, it's very hard some, some places that we go. Like at Universal, it's very hard and super expensive to just go find a dadgum salad. Yeah. Okay. That and then it's a little, food. it's a little salad, right? It's, it's not, salad, gonna, <laughs> yeah. and it's $13. Yeah. And, and you're going to have to get quite a few of them if you want to fill up. That's right. <laughs> and you have to stand in long lines too, to go somewhere where you get a salad, you have to make a reservation. Uh, it's ridiculous. Okay. So I am self-protective. I take my own foods. Okay. So I have to plan schedule time to prep my own foods. Okay. That's that part two of the battle. Part three is the battle with emotional eating that I've been talking about, okay? So you have our adult brain and we have our uh, primitive brain, as Dr. Livingston calls it, you know, our pig, our capital P from Never Binge Again, or as, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, can't think of her name right now. Brooke Castillo says um, your adult brain and your toddler brain, you know, the primitive brain in there. Okay. It's always battling with us and trying to encourage us to eat or to do all kinds of things uh, for instant gratification. So we're always having to fight that battle. But uh, so those are the three battles. Well, I feel like battle number one is gone for me. I don't have to deal with it. I only have the other two to deal with now. And it's nice. It's a comfort to know that the first part of the battle is done. Standard American diet food is no longer an issue for me. So that is, uh, leaves me only with two things I have to think about. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Yes, absolutely. Those, those of us it. that have neuroadapt and have found good health and feel good that even if we did eat some of that food, we'd probably get sick. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, that, I think it's a blessing, that. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I would get sick if right. I were to eat a donut right now. Right. I would get sick, you know. But they just, and, but they just don't. When you get to a certain point, they really just don't appeal to you anymore no, because, it doesn't. yeah. That's so exactly that's right. yeah. But I still deal with trying to make sure, like this morning, I was running late. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted to finish the episode of Deep Space Nine that I was watching when I went to bed last night. I wanted to finish it. So instead of going in the kitchen and chopping up raw veggies for the day, I brought with me two of my bowls of soup and two of my little frozen uh, cups of uh, compliant beans and uh, oranges uh, because I didn't take the time last night before I went to bed nor this morning to chop up some veggies and bring them with me. 
Okay. So I confess that I've had, you know, I've had one of my bowls of, of stew. The other one is still over there frozen. I'll have that after this. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but so I failed this morning to leave enough time to uh, prep. Okay. But you had a backup plan. Well, I do have my backup, which is still compliant, but yes. it's not the raws. And yes. we need the raws. Yes. Okay? We do need the raws. But you okay. didn't use it as an excuse to go drive through or something because you had things frozen. You still had a backup plan. I, that is so yeah. important. And I've learned that the hard way. Uh, the hard way. Okay. So, um, so let me talk about now what happened. So I went to Dr. Furman's um, PBS taping in New Jersey. And, uh, but when I came home from that. Well, you were invited, right? Yes, I was one of the success stories. I'm in his latest book, uh, Eat for Life. And um, I'm the first one in that book, by the way, pages 20 and 21, I think. Uh, so I'm very honored that he allowed me to uh, to be one of the stories. Because I always said way back when I was reading about Emily and Anthony and all that, I said, someday. Someday, I would love to be a success story in one of Dr. Furman's books. Mm -hmm. And when I was introduced to him, I think it was 2017 when I got to, uh, I met him first time I met him um, in Vegas at the Health, Healing and Happiness Conference. Um, he didn't, you know, he did I was just an adoring fan in the yeah. crowd. You know? But then uh, somebody deliberately introduced us and said, this is Sandra, she's done. And so then he said, well, um, you know, are you going to uh, turn your story in, you know? And I'm like, I, uh, well, I could, but I don't think you want my story. And he goes, why wouldn't I want your story? I said, well, because I haven't done anything big with my weight loss. I, I'm not a marathon runner. I haven't done anything like, you know, world famous or anything with it. I'm just an average, you know, uh, you know, person. He goes, no, that's what I want. I want average people who went from, you know, unhealthy, um, morbidly obese to being healthy. Uh, even if you're like, you know, you're a grandmother and you play with your grandkids. And that's what I want, because that's what most people will relate to. That's what resonates with most people. They don't want to see somebody who uh, became an 80 year old marathon runner. You know, uh, they, right? They because they're like, "Oh, yeah, that person's somebody right. special." That's not me, right? Right. And so I'm like, okay. So you know, so I was thrilled that that he did use my story, and he allowed me to represent him in Woman's World, and so I appreciated that. I was even on the cover, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that. That was fabulous. Wow. So I, I'm very appreciative. Uh, you know, so you you've got accountability all over the universe now, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so I came home from that trip and uh, my mom's condition, um, her uh, cognitive impairment began to uh, accelerate. And uh, also she was complaining about a pain in her side. Um, and so when we took her uh, to the doctor on New Year's Day, we took her because she kept saying, my side hurts, my side hurts. And uh, her, um, her doctor said, gallbladder that's gallbladder. Go ahead and go get him uh, admitted to the emergency room across the street and they'll run the, do the MRI and then they'll, you know, set up the uh, exam, the, um, you know, gallbladder removal. And within a week you'll be home, you'll be feeling better. You'll start eating again, you know, all this. So we go over there and when they did the MRI, they said, no, it's um, very advanced um, colon cancer. Mm. And we had no clue. We had no clue. Um, and so did the doctor was, apparently, right. And so, um, you know, and with her memory loss, she continued to say, my side hurts, oh. my, my side's hurting. And we said, mom, that's, we know that's the cancer. I have cancer. 
Oh. And, and that was so heartbreaking. Oh, because you had to keep not, telling her over and right. over again. And that, that was hard. But then one day she said, this pain in my side, this is never going to go away. And that day, right at that moment, I wanted to be 24 hours before when she didn't remember. And then yeah. it, it struck me out, you know. So there was a lot of emotional um, issues. Um, and a couple days before Christmas that year, my, one of my favorite cousins was killed by a drunk driver. So there was dealing with that. And um, then my mom passed away January 20th of that of 2020. And uh, so then dealing with the grief of losing my mom yeah. um, and then because uh, I'm not much of a business person. So then I inherited the home and me trying to deal with all my business, which I'm not really good at as it is. And then dealing with two homes and yeah. the yard work that that began weighing down on me. And um, then uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. And then we came back from our spring break trying to teach 100% online when we weren't ready for that. And that was a nightmare. Uh, and then that summer, I took on a project that I shouldn't have taken on, a big yard work project that ruined, it, messed up my hand. And it was just, it was too much. I overwhelmed myself. So I'm saying all that to say this. During all that time of the emotional ups and downs, um, raw vegetables came to live in my refrigerator and die in my mm -hmm. refrigerator. Yeah. And then I threw them out and then I replaced them with all good intentions with fresh raw vegetables that came to live in my refrigerator and die in my refrigerator. This mm -hmm. went on and on for months where I couldn't face a raw vegetable. So that was part of what I had to deal with at the time was the raw vegetables. I just couldn't face them. So I was relying on my stews. I, I wanted my stews and fruit mm -hmm. okay and popcorn air pop popcorn i was a demon with my air pop popcorn um but i knew better than to let myself go crazy on the ezekiel bread and right. the nuts and seeds i stopped myself i was yeah. eating a little bit more but i didn't go overboard on those because i knew that i'd just boom yeah, so that would be when it was by the time I came to my senses and got myself back in, under control, I had put on 13 pounds from when I got home in November until the like maybe about four months ago, I put on uh, 13. Um, and so I'm working now to get those 13 back off. Um, right. So that's kind of what happened to me was even though I stayed nutritarian, I was uh, ignoring the raws. The, fruit, the vegetables anyway. Yes. And I was just loading up on fruit, like 10, 12 servings of fruit, fresh and frozen fruit a day, and mm -hmm. my soups and um, the air pop popcorn. Okay. Right. So that was how I dealt with it was not the best plan, but uh, it was better than me resorting back to standard American diet. Food. Right. Because and with all those things that were going on in your life, even just right. one of them would have been a perfect reason for you to say, you know what, I'm just going to not do this for now. And I'm just right. going to be comforted by the old things that used to comfort me. And I think it happens to a lot of people. It does. When, when yeah, it, they don't return, yeah. you can't come back from it. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, they say, I had one Oreo. They eat, a lot of people will even tell you, I know exactly when it happened. And they'll, they'll go back to the date and the, the time of day that they gave in to that one Oreo. And they said, and that started it. Right. And I, and they said it was six months before I was able to get back on track. And I put, you know, 30 pounds on 
back on. And that's, that's a really good thing for people to be thinking about now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you talked about the mantras and, and the visualizations, but they really need to think when things get tough and that one thing pops up and they say, oh, it'll just be this one. I'm just really stressed right now. Things are going bad or I've been so good. I should reward myself. All those things, the self-talk mm-hmm. that goes through your mind. The little brain, the primitive brain. You're basically standing on a cliff. Yeah. with that yes and it's that one little thing that can just send you flying over and you may never come back up we really need to use those moments to call a friend post on yes. facebook right? right or do something to Take a 10 minute walk yeah because the fresh air and the 10 minutes of being outside either alone or with your partner or your kids or your dog or whatever, uh, you know, sometimes that 10 minutes, the urge will be gone. It, it, they don't last 10, 15 minutes. You know, you come back and you're like, okay, all right, I'm good now. I, I'm, I'm past that urge, you know, yeah. and there are a lot of um, tricks uh, that you can use to get you through those uh, 10 to 15 minutes of critical uh, threat time. And, you know, we were talking, you're talking about a cliff. I like to think of it as instead of a cliff, I think of it as a hiking trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hiked the summer up in the mountains in the Smokies. And um, there were two hikes, I, three, but two were really, which I consider kind of scary and treacherous, where um, the mountain was right here on my left. It was straight up. Oh. And I had a path that was maybe 18 inches wide that I was able to walk on. And then the mountain went like that on this side of me. Okay. Yeah. And so one false step and I'm going to go down the mountain. There are only two things that are going to stop me, a tree and the bottom. Yeah. Neither yeah. one of those are very good. Yeah. They're both going to hurt me. Okay? Yeah. And uh, so I, and, and all it takes is take your eyes off the trail for just a second and you're going to slip. And so when I am uh, tempted by something, I think of my trail. I'm on that trail because the, the trail I'm walking. If I'm on a cliff, I'm not going anywhere. I can't, you know, but if I'm on a trail like mm-hmm. this, then yeah. I am moving, you know. And so that's why I like to think of it as a trail. To the left is the mountain right here. And to the right is the mountain going straight down there and I will slip and it will be a long time before I can get back up to where I fell, you know, so right. don't fall. I like that how you talked about controlling your environment. Of course, you are able to control your environment in your home, right? So well, you are- I can, but I know not everybody can because right. they have family, right? That's right, but not everybody can. So that's a difficult thing if you have other people living with you and they bring things into the home that you can't have, especially in the beginning when those foods are tempting, that can be a real thing. But another way that you're controlling your environment is that you're cooking and freezing foods so that there's always something for you. There's never an excuse like, oh, I don't have anything prepared. And wherever you go, you're taking that with you. I tell people that have had children, I say, do you remember when you when you had those babies and everywhere you go, you would never leave the house without the diaper bag? Even if they weren't formula fed, you would never leave the house. Oh my goodness. You would run back in the house if you ever forgot that diaper bag. And you always made sure that diaper bag was stocked because you didn't want to run out. That's our little cooler that we take with us wherever we go, right? And nobody cares. Theme parks That's don't right. care. 
you know, I went to the Florida State Fair. I've been there like four times taking or three, three of those times taking my own food. And uh, I remember I, one time I went and the lady said uh, she looked in my bag and I said, um, she goes, you know, you're not supposed to bring your own food. And I said, I know, but y'all can't, y'all don't serve anything here that I can eat. You know, and she looked and I had all my raw veggies and everything. And she opened it and she smiled at me. She goes, I respect your food choices. Oh. oh. And I, I will never forget that her comment, I respect your food choices, you know, with that smile. Very pleasant. And, um, you know, so I've been to, I'm going to Universal now. They allow me to take my own food. Disney allows me to take my own food. And, you know, you can, you you can do this so many different ways, okay? You can take your, your food, and then the first thing you can do is to get a locker at the entrance and go ahead and put your little, um, you know, lunchbox in there so that you're not toting it around all day or toted around all day. But, um, you know, you can do it and uh, just figure out what work. What I do is I take uh, my frozen containers of soup, and that is my ice Okay, and I take my little cups, I take two of my cups of beans, and those are ice. And I also recently had some fruit salad that I froze because nobody else wanted any of my fresh fruit salad I took to a family dinner. So when I got home, I froze them in little one cup uh, containers. And um, so I put one of those down into my little uh, cooler. And then it's thawed out by like about two o'clock. So good. Oh, slushy is so good. But I put my raw veggies around these frozen containers. So I'm not putting ice packs. I'm putting frozen soups and beans and stuff like that in there as my ice packs. And then by five o'clock, they're thawed out enough. And I, um, my soup, it may be cold. I don't care. It's still good. Right. My spacho. Yeah, like a spacho. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but make it work for you, you know, and when you go to a restaurant, um, focus on the fellowship, not the food. That's another one of my mantras. When you go to a family dinner or to a restaurant with family and friends, focus on the fellowship, not the food. Look into the eyes of your uh, dinner partners, the other people at the party, and listen to every word they say and do follow-up questions based on what they said. Don't look at their food. Don't go look at the birthday cake. Don't look at the ice cream. Don't look at the, the table full of chips and cookies and all that crap. Don't look at any of that. Take your own beautiful bowl of fresh berries, mixed berries. Take it with you. And while they're eating their cake and ice cream, you have the most beautiful thing in your hand, which is a bowl of mixed fresh blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, golden berries. Beautiful. They're like, oh, what are you eating? That looks really good. Yes, it is. You know, so but don't worry about what you're eating. Just focus on the fellowship. And that's that's one way that I've learned to deal with um, being out in social situations, you know, is I focus on the people and my conversational skills with them. And I don't look at their plates and I eat my own food. And if, if I can't take anything but raw veggies, I eat them. I don't worry about that. I'm just sitting there eating raw broccoli. I just eat it, you know, hand them out and I um, don't look at their food. So that's just something that works for me. That's a great strategy. I know that I don't eat out at restaurants as much as I used to, but when I was eating out at restaurants because I might have somebody visit me and so I would they would want to go out and I would right. go with them but I always had a cooler in with me in the restaurant and I would order whatever was on the menu that was compliant and then right. but I'd always have so many things in my cooler no 
and, we, you know, and they don't care, man. I've asked managers because, you know, some people say that's very rude of you to take your own food into a restaurant. That's very rude. They don't care. I've asked, right. they say, as long as one of, at least one person is ordering an entree. And as long as the person who's bringing in the food is not publicly advertising for a competing restaurant, like don't go into Olive Garden yeah. carrying a uh, Carabas bag and say, yeah. Yeah. You know, don't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, just be discreet and order a side sal a double salad, double side salad on a large plate. Hold the croutons, hold the chicken, hold the cheese, hold the dressing. Okay, and uh, then you know, get the vinegar, get a bowl of lemon wedges, bring your own dressing, compliant dressing, or um, you know, bring like your little mini uh, lunchbox, just like Amy said, with uh, pretty toppings that you can put on top of their side salad, and you'll have the prettiest plate at the table. You really will, and it and it'll be good. You'll enjoy it. Yep. There's so many strategies and I'm glad you're sharing them with us. And it's just so important for people to know that it's totally acceptable to do these things and just keep powering through and you're going to have great results like Sandra. Charles said, wow, I'm standing here in my shop working and loving this conversation. Contagious excitement. Thanks for this. And this is what you're doing, Sandra. You're just putting out ripples to the whole world and you just don't know how many people you're touching right now because this is what we need to hear. We, and, and I think it's what you said is true. It's great that some people lose all the weight and get healthy and they run marathons and do all these wonderful things. That's really nice. For most of us, just losing the weight and getting our health back and having the opportunity to be around if there's young children that we know that we can do things with them. That's the prize. That's the gold medal right there. I, I want to be there. See, my ex-husband is now passed away. I don't even think that my granddaughter will really remember him, okay? Because he passed away when she was so young. Her other two grandparents are passed away. They both smoked. They both passed away of cancers related to tobacco. And she's barely, she'll remember the grandfather, but not the grandmother, because she was only two. Well, I want her to remember me. I want to be there when she walks across that stage of graduation. I want to be at her wedding. I want to, I told her, I want to be there when you have your first kid. I want to be there. You know, I want to take you to Paris. I want to enjoy all of these things with you. You know, I, you're my travel buddy. And um, she's already agreed to come with me next summer to the NHA. We're going on our trip. She's going to go with me. We're going to do the hiking and the all that stuff together. She's going to do the zip lining with me. You know, I would not have been able to do that with her if I still were at 250. You know, right. so these are the things that that I, I want that in my future. You know, that's a wonderful why. Gina wants to know what type of exercise did you start with? I guess you did exercise, right? I mean, you weren't running marathons, but now in the beginning, of course, exercise might have been just to get up out of the chair and walk around a little bit, right? What did you start out doing? This is a great question. Great question. So in the very beginning, I didn't feel like it. You know, I've, I've done stuff in the past, but at this weight in 2015, I didn't really, I wasn't doing anything. So after a month or two, I started thinking, okay, I'm beginning to feel like I can start walking. After a couple months, that's what my feeling was. So I did, I went down to the track and, I, and at first my hips were like, you know, they were a little bit, when I get back in the car, I'm like, my hips hurt, but I'm going to power through because I, I knew that I needed to get moving. And, you know, so I began with walking 
And then, um, and I walked, I walk about like at the time I was walking pretty slow, like two miles an hour, very slow. I'm up to now three, about three miles an hour. And then I joined the gym. Then later after COVID, I purchased my own elliptical, a home elliptical. And so I use that and I do the bleachers out at the, um, uh, at the football field. I go up and down them for about 20 minutes. Um, you know, like in, I'm going to try to do that every afternoon. And so right now that's what, and I have some small free weights and stuff like that. But in the beginning it was walking. Latasha wants to know, did you weigh yourself every day? Okay. So, uh, weighing yourself every, in the beginning, weighing yourself every day might be a good idea because especially if you're being compliant, you're following the plan because you know, the, if your diet changes so dramatically from what you were eating to even a semblance of a healthy plan, you're going to be losing weight and it's kind of gratifying, but just remember that the scale's very fickle. Okay. And even though you've done great, it may be holding a little water and, and, you know, you may be losing inches, but the scale doesn't drop. So please don't get hung up on the daggum scale. Okay. Keep track, write it down. But remember you, uh, you know, as they say, this ain't your first rodeo, you know, that the scale is going to sometimes give you some discouraging misinformation <laughs> that you're losing inches, but it's not showing up on the scale. So, you know, it's a trend. All right. So if you hold the same weight for a few days, don't get discouraged and be like, I'm giving up. This is not working. Don't do that. Just stick to the plan because one day it may just bang, just drop suddenly. Okay. But I, I don't know. I think maybe uh, once a week might be better. And usually the same time of day, um, you know, to weigh like before you get up, you go to the bathroom, you go away about the same time. Pick a day when you get up at that same time that day. So maybe not Saturday, because sometimes we sleep in. So maybe not a Saturday, but, you know, maybe a work day like Monday. Monday would be good. And then, you know, so a regular weigh-in is really a good idea. Uh, but just don't don't be discouraged um, if the scale doesn't tell you exactly. Just be patient. Pr pay attention to your habits, okay? Not the scale. If you are paying attention to your habits, the scale will take care of itself as long as the habits that you're developing are the healthy ones and you've got a, a good solid plan. You can't control the scale, but you can control your habits. Okay. That's all you can control. You can't control what happens out there in the world. You can only control how you react to it. Okay. So the habits, habit forming is one of the most important things here. Stick to the good habits you have developed uh, based on the science, based on what your whoever you're following, you know, has said um, and uh, let the scales take care of themselves. That's that's a good, good answer. I like that. Andrea wants to know, do you add sugar, oil or salt in the foods you prepare, eat or eat at home? Okay. All right. So I do not add uh, white sugar. I use, I don't use honey. Uh, honey, ha honey may be a natural food, plant food, but it is uh, fiber free. It is fiberless. And so we prefer uh, to get the most nutrient bang for your calorie buck and to have fiber in there. So medjool dates are what I use for sugar and sometimes other little dried fruits. Uh, but mostly I use medjool dates. I can make a jelly out of a, uh, a medjool date. You just take the seed out put it and cut it up a little bit and put it in a little tiny bit of water and microwave it for about 20 seconds, take it out and take a fork and do like this to it. And you have a jet, you have jelly. 
Okay, it's just as good as any jelly, grape jelly or whatever. Put a little bit of that on Ezekiel bread and you've got, you know, it simulates. And if you use nut butter, a homemade uh, salt-free um, raw nut butter, then you've got peanut butter and jelly toast, you know. So, you know, you can uh, create that. Uh, so I don't add sugar. I just use mostly medjool dates. Um, I don't add salt to anything that I eat. I keep salt in case I, I can try to get my son to eat some of my healthy foods. I let him salt what he wants to salt, but I don't add salt to anything. Um, I no longer cook in oil. Um, I don't use, I use coconut oil in my hair. Okay. And sometimes in the winter time, I put it on at night, you know, to keep, because I have very, very dry skin. Um, but, uh, I don't consume coconut oil. Um, I have in the past few months experimented with a thing called Misto and I have an organic olive oil in it and I'll put a little bit of a mist on my air pop popcorn just so that I can get spicy, uh, my powders to stick to it. But, uh, I don't like doing, I really am not comfortable doing it. I have done it, but I'm not comfortable. So except for that Misto, uh, I don't use any oils. Uh, what was the other thing? It was the sugar oil and salt, sugar oil and salt and white flour. Nope. Do not use white flour. Um, and uh, so I like the bean pastas. I haven't cooked with them in a long time. But, um, you know, the other thing I want to say is this can look different for everybody. Right. Okay? So, like, I never think to roast vegetables. They're amazing. They're so good. But it never occurs to me to roast them. But my sister-in-law, she wrote, she's, she's kind of a 70, 80 percent nutritarian. Uh, she roasts all the time. So it's like we're both doing this, doing good things, but they don't look like each other. I like my stews. I like repetition. I don't want to go home and think, what am I going to cook tonight? I want to go home and pull out one of my stews. Okay. I don't make big salads. I don't have time. I don't just eat a big salad. What I do is I cut my raw vegetables up finger foods. They're easy to cut like that. And, uh, and I'll just, you know, eat them out of a Ziploc bag. I just eat them. I don't need a dressing on them. I want to eat my nuts as actual nuts. Okay. So I rarely make the nutritarian dressings. I know they're good and, and I can make them and I've made them before, but it's just not my style. Okay. I, if I make, I will make a, a fat free dressing and then maybe sprinkle nuts on a salad if I'm going to eat it like a salad. But I just like to have my ounce or two of nuts and seeds and just sit there and munch on. I'd have a few at each meal, you know? So, um, some people will need to cook. They need to experiment. Okay, do it. It's just not me. So, you know, we all can do it the way it's comfortable for us. Also, my stews, I learned the hard way. In the beginning, they were horrible. And I oh, scalded. Oh, word too. <laughs> I remember I scalded a couple of pots, uh, big stew pots of my vegetables, but because I put so much work into them, I ate them anyway. And I remember one day when I was sitting here eating my lunch and, and my colleague came in through the connecting door back there. I said, guess what, Shelly? I'm on my last bowl. Oh. It was my last bowl of scalded soup. <laughs> Yay! Um, but now I love my soups. I make them with a lot of um, Pommy brand organic salt-free tomato products. And uh, so I... I add very little water. I just mostly have the tomato in them. And so they're very stewy, very, you know, like that. I just love my stews now, but I've learned it the hard way and through experience. And that's the thing is have fun with this. Try a recipe 
And if it's not, if you're not baking something, then change it up if you don't like it. Add something, take something out, add double the spices, add whatever, you know, change the spices. Have fun with this until you can get a repertoire of recipes that you love, okay? And they're your go-tos, you know, so we all have our go-to favorite recipes and that will be sustainable. You need, right. to, you need to make this sustainable for the rest of your life. Okay. That's the goal here. And I remember one time when I was talking about my uh, cheat foods and somebody in our big group said, what you need to do is you need to um, get to the point to where our foods are your treat foods. Okay. Where they're special to you, not to where you get through all this just so that you can have that one cheat meal, which is your present to yourself. You know, let this be your present to yourself is our foods. Learn to love and create and create some recipes that you consider to be your treats. And and I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. So now I have things that I adore uh, from our foods and they're my special treats. And I don't need sad foods to be, I don't need that anymore. It's not, that's not special to me. It's, it's out of the picture. I feel that if I'm traveling or at someone's home, if I don't have my food, I feel deprived. I don't feel deprived because I'm not eating their food. I feel deprived because I don't have something that I want. Right. And, and, right. So I, I try not to get myself into a situation where if I have to, I'll eat before I go. If I can't bring my own food, pre-eat. That's, That's right. right. Pre so I think we had a question pop up about your what you eat, I think, in okay. a day. So, so I try to pretty much stick to Dr. Furman's original six-week plan. Uh, kind of works for me. It's sustainable for me. So basically it boils very, very simple. I'm very simple. I'm very streamlined. Okay. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to, because I want to think about other things in my life, not my food. I want my food to be my fuel and I don't want to be, you know, uh, having to deal with that as a stress. I have enough stresses as it yeah. is. So uh, basically one to two pounds of raw vegetables a day. And like I said, I can, if you stuff a quart size Ziploc bag with vegetables, that's roughly a pound. Um, you know, so, uh, Basically, I eat and I make sure I get my green leafies. They are part of the plan, you know, the kale and, and the, the cruciferous green leafies. Um, you know, I really don't eat spinach. I just eat the other green leafies, like the baby kale, the regular kale, stuff like that, arugula and all that. And romaine, I know, is not a cruciferous, but I love romaine. I can eat mm -hmm. it plain. Um, and uh, so between two and four servings of fruits a day, either fresh or frozen, Make sure that uh, you're getting berries in there. Berries are very important. I eat a lot of berries. I buy Wyman's and uh, have them frozen, and um, I eat a lot of berries. Um, and one serving of a whole grain every day, and that, and I have like a list of like 15 different whole grains, and I, I cook them in my instant pot, and uh, I freeze them in little one cup servings, and then every morning I'll take one out and I'll thaw it with the berries, and that's my breakfast. So it might be quinoa, it might be kanyiwa, it might be millet, it might be um, oat groats, it might be sorghum, uh, it might be uh, wheat berries, uh, rye berries, uh, I have uh, amaranth, um, you know, I have this whole list, teff, um, that I will cook and freeze them in one uh, cup servings. Um, and then sometimes I do have the air pop popcorn I try to not do that, but sometimes I do have air pop popcorn in addition to my whole grain uh, from breakfast. Um, and then I make my stews. I can eat stew for the rest. I can eat my stews for the rest of my life, but I change the flavorings of them. And so they're not like all the same. And I also um, like um, 
to add the balsamic uh, flavored balsamic. This is my current favorite is this brand Cuzzini. And so this one is my favorite, the jalapeno lime. Ooh, so, jalapeno lime. So, wow. And so I put this, I leave this here. And when I have my stew at lunch here, I just put this on top and add that to the flavoring of it. They also have the fruit flavored versions of uh, in Cuzzini as well, balsamic fruit flavor, pomegranate and stuff like that. Um, okay, so um, every morning I freshly grind uh, one to two tablespoons of flax or flax and chia combined. And I sprinkle that over my uh, grain and my berries in the morning. Uh, I have a dedicated little coffee bean grinder that does nothing but the flax and the chia. And uh, so I just do it real quick every morning and put it on there. And then uh, for the rest of the day, it's like either one or two ounces of other nuts and seeds. And if I choose to put those in a recipe, okay. But uh, otherwise, I just keep them in a little container, pre-measure them in the morning, and I munch on them a little bit with each meal throughout the day. And um, then I do put my mushrooms, because Dr. Furman has his G-bombs, greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. So the mushrooms, I cook them. I cook a lot of them in that stew. So I'm getting them already. I don't have to keep go buying them all the time because they're in my stews and I batch cook my stews. They're in the freezer. So I know I'm getting my mushrooms that way. Um, so that's kind of the way I, oh, and my beans. I batch cook my beans in my instant pots and um, I store them in the little one cup um, Rubbermaid containers and I'll pull them out you know, and take them with me for the day or have them at dinner or whatever. Um, and they're salt free. And so, uh, and I use all the beans, like 25 different kinds of beans and lentils and stuff like that. And so I, um, you know, pull out a different one every time. So I'm trying to getting different beans. I've experimented with new beans I've never heard of before. That's been a lot of fun. And uh, so that's kind of what I eat in a day. Well, that's fabulous. People may be a little bit confused, so let's just clarify. You're eating until you're comfortably full. You're not hungry and feeling deprived, but there are certain things that you are measuring because they're calorie dense, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. So, exactly right. So I try to limit um, healthy, but should be limited. Uh, you know, if you would allow me to, because I'm a volume eater, I'm not a binge eater, but I'm a volume eater, high volume. Okay. I don't eat to the point of throwing up. I just eat till I'm, I can, I can eat till I'm uncomfortable. I can just eat, 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 eat like that. Okay. So if you could, if you told me that I could uh, guilt-free eat an entire bunch of bananas and half a cup of homemade nut butter uh, with no gaining weight or anything, I could just do it in just like three minutes. I mean, I'm a, that I love bananas. Right. So and then you would, you would feel it. You would feel yeah. very full and very uncomfortable and almost probably say, Oh my gosh, what did That's I right. do? That was a, right. oh, too much. So uh -huh. I try to limit my fruit servings. I try to limit that. And I try to limit my beans. I could sit here and eat three cups of beans, three, three cans of beans. I could do it because I'm a volume eater. So I try to limit my beans Okay, to no more than two cups a day, but one is better. Um, and then the grain, I try to limit my grain. Okay, uh, but the uh, the vegetables, the raw vegetables, and I make my stews to where there's really nothing in them that I need to limit. Okay, because I don't add a whole bunch of uh, starchy vegetables into the stews. So I don't really have to limit them uh, too much, you know. 
But I do try to limit those things that we can't, we're not supposed to be going. And it's just like what you said, everybody's got a different way of going about it. And what may be working for you might not work for someone else, but it's nice to hear what you do because for some people, especially somebody who like you is, can be a volume eater, they may have to use some of these methods. So those are really good ideas. Yeah. Ellie wants to know, what is your healthy treat? Okay. So as I just mentioned, bananas are uh, in the threat zone for me when they're fresh, uh, when they've got those beautiful little brown freckles on them. Uh, I love them too much and I could just go crazy on bananas. But once I get past the danger zone and I um, break them up into one inch pieces and put them in a gallon size Ziploc bag and freeze them, they're no longer a threat to me. And so having frozen banana chunks is great for making nice cream. So you can make a, a vanilla nice cream, chocolate nice cream. Um, I also will take um, the bananas and um, some uh, berries and make a what I call a frozen fruit sorbet. Um, and if you have to add a little bit of plant milk in there, you can to get it moving, you know, if everything is really frozen, especially if you're making it in your, like your mini ninja or, you know, your Nutribullet that can't just handle solid frozen like your Vitamix can, you know. So, um, a frozen fruit sorbet is a treat for me, um, you know, with the bananas and the berries in it, that kind of thing. Um, you also, um, those, uh, oh, and you can add the cacao powder or you can add the carob powder to it, um, you know, or here's another treat. I take some uh, berries, like a little bowl of berries frozen, and I thaw them for like 90 seconds so that they are slushy on the inside, soft on the outside, but slushy on the inside. It doesn't have to just be berries. It could also be pineapple chunks frozen, the organic mango chunks. Uh, the I do that with cherries. Cherry. Yes, with the cherries. Frozen cherries. Yes. Yeah. And then I thaw them just enough to where they're a little bit soft, but slushy, icy, slushy. Yeah. Okay. Then I drizzle a, um, a fruit-flavored balsamic vinegar on them. If I don't put the carob on them the, or the cacao powder, I will sprinkle a fruit-flavored balsamic vinegar, and I go sit down, and that's a treat to me, too, with that little bit of vinegar on that's a great idea. And of Boy. course, you know, there are the fudgy bean brownies. Of course, there are all of the, our truffle, you know, all those things, but they require, you know, uh, time to prep. And I don't, I want something immediately. So I like these things because I can make them quickly. Yeah. And that those are very good strategies because not everybody has the time or ambition to cook. I have the time, but I don't have the ambition. If it has more than three ingredients, I freak out and I, I'm not, I don't pay very good attention in the kitchen and I could very well burn things. So I do use the Instant Pot. So, but a lot of people just like you, you work outside of the home. You're busy. And as a school teacher, it's not a nine to five. There's just a lot going on and you're tired when you get home. So you just have it all planned out. You're keeping it simple and that's fabulous. Well, we have been talking for a while and I could just go. Oh, I feel like we're just friends and we could just chit chat all day. <laughs> I, I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It has just been so nice to have you. And I wanted to thank Jess Tass from Jess Tass Voice. She did the voiceover. She did the countdown. And she's been fabulous. We had Rebecca from PKA Solves in the background doing things for us too. But most of all, I want to thank all of you that are watching and listening. Sandra's here. I'm here because we believe in this lifestyle. We have found good health with this lifestyle. 
And we want to just shout it from the rooftops so that people out there can become aware that this is not a fad diet. This is not a silly, I'm just eating carrot sticks and celery and, and suffering kind of thing. This is a lifestyle. And it can just change the world for you. And we know that because we're broadcasting this interview, that there are people that may even be stumbling upon this and have never even heard of this lifestyle, or there might be people that are just adopting it or just thinking about it, or maybe they're kind of struggling because they needed a few tips. So I really hope that all of you that are watching, I'm glad that you're here. That's why we're here. And we really hope that this can be of help to you. Sandra has a YouTube channel and she's going to be working on putting, she has videos on it already, but she'll be putting more coming up. And I'm going to put the links to that in the show notes so that you can see that. So thank you everybody for being here. I wanted to tell you that we have a special announcement for somebody who's coming up next. Who's that going to be, Jess? Coming up next plant-based blogger and cookbook author Kathy Hester will be doing a plant-based culinary demo. Join us Wednesday, August 11th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy live. Well, thanks again, Sandra, and thanks to all of you. If you can type in the comments my tagline, and then we can kind of all do it together, and that's going to be be strong, be well, be green, and join me with Sandra. We're going to do it together. You ready, Sandra? Yes, I'm ready. So until I see all of you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you.